0: Love, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It's a real pleasure. I have to be honest with you. I've followed your career for years now. Um, I think I started listening to you back when I was living in Montreal. So, uh, and at the time you were with uh, Karibastani, which was a, a, a group out in Europe. Uh, okay. But I wanted to tell you before I even started this interview is that it was a difficult a planning session at my end, because I, I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Flesh Love, this is an artist I really admire, how do I want to conduct this interview? And the first thing I could say was, I just wanted to have an artist-to-artist talk with you.
1: Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing to me.
0: Yeah, um, so let's, um, for people who don't know you, let's give just a little bit of bi- biographical information here. Uh, I know that you were born in Switzerland, now you live in Paris. Can you mm-hmm. give us a little overview of, you know, how how did you discover that, for example, you could sing or that you wanted to be an artist?
1: So that's a very interesting question because it brings a lot of like, when I was younger, I always used to sing. But my parent my family actually thought that I was singing terrible So it's very interesting, you know, because I, I don't know, deep down, I felt like singing was was something important to me, vital in a way, but I was not encouraged by my family or the people around me so but at a very young age I was like I don't know like four or five, so I kept on singing even if I, I didn't feel that um, support so I kind of had to create my own support to be my own best supporter, which is something that really helped me you know like and it's still helping me so I, didn't I didn't know, help you. How, how did that help you? You know, when your parents don't believe in you, <laughs> if people outside of your family, if the society, like, doesn't believe in you, it doesn't really matter that much. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So you kind of feel, okay, so it's not that my parents, like, they. my father was an economist and my mother was an economist as well, you know? So for them, singing was not really a job, you know? Mm-hmm. and And to be very honest, when I was young, Like, I didn't sing that well. (laughs) And you know, when I I, I started really becoming a singer and earning my life as a singer when I was around 25, and when I said to my parents, I want to like, I want to stop going to the university and starting being a singer, they were like, okay you can do as you want, you know? Like, so at that very moment, they started supporting me when I decided to be really a singer. But that was a long process from from four years old to 25 it's a long process
0: yeah and
1: so at what point did you move to Paris I decided because I had like the first part of my career I was in a band and it was a very complicated experience for me I was a young girl I was 19 when I started surrounded by guys and uh, when I finished this part of my career I decided to move on and to move to another place where I could start all over again like fresh start and I decided to go Paris It's not far away from Geneva actually three hour and a half by train they do speak French and I kind of knew some people over there in the industry so like okay I could start fresh but I could still not be alone and it's a big it's a big city to me you know coming from Geneva Paris is intimidating in a way. Has Paris been uh very welcoming to your work? Actually, yes, and you know what? Maybe to my personality as well. Because um Switzerland, it's like it's a very interesting country. Because from the outside, for a lot of people, it seems like it's a kind of paradise. It is in a way, you know, economically, politically like. But it's a bit complicated because of the history of switzerland and the history of geneva because we had calvin we had luther you know we had the le, le protestant i don't know how you say that in english but protestant uh protestantism i i don't know what? either actually <laughs> so it, this whole thing kind of shaped the energy of the city and we still have that vibe now and it infused a way of living where you like being loud is not very allowed it's allowed but it's not recommended earning a lot of money but being anonymous and as a woman being raised in switzerland was a bit complicated switzerland had you know like the last woman who were burnt as a witch it was in switzerland you know like Mm. women's the, the the right to vote, it was 1974, I think, in Switzerland. So we have a kind of story with women, which is a bit complicated. So I felt like I had to go out of this place in order to find myself or maybe to feel more accepted. And in Paris, it's a different vibe. And I didn't feel that I was too much once in my life. I felt like I was, I'm I'm normal. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I live in Ottawa, uh, Ontario, Canada, which is it's the capital of Canada. It is very much the Switzerland of Canada and really? living in Montreal. Oh, yeah, very much so. And uh, Montreal is like the Berlin of Canada. It is the Paris oh. of Canada. Montreal is where you can be the eccentric. And so it's beautiful to hear that you found really your your home in Paris in a way. Would you refer to it as your home now?
1: I feel like and that's something I'm starting to understand that my home is myself because I could be moving around and still feeling like home, you know I'm trying to build that feeling within myself, you know what I mean like deep down yes. feeling like I love Paris I spent like I've been there for about four years, but I feel like that maybe in one year I would I move to somewhere else yeah, like I'm still figuring out where I want to go. But this energy, this vibrant energy of Paris, I still, I don't feel now that it's connecting with what I'm looking for right now. Not anymore. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess Paris is a good
0: place for, like you said, like you, you get away from a place like Switzerland or a place that's maybe more conservative or more um, quiet. And it's where you, and also you have access to all sorts of creative people. Did you uh, end up meeting and and really working with uh, some
1: good creative talent in Paris? Yeah. And you know, with Instagram and like, it's incredible. Like you can follow people you really admire. And then like you, you try to write them and they answer and then you meet them and things happen. So it's very exciting. That's a very exciting part of Paris. So I. I'm sure London or Montreal or New York, that's very great. Yeah, yeah, i met a lot of people actually
0: in Paris. Right. Um, so like I said earlier is that I was really introduced to your work through Caddy Bastani, uh, Castle in the Snow was a song that I listened to on repeat over and over again. I did a lot of my photographic work in Montreal listening to that, that song actually. Wow yeah so it's very inspiring uh do you still are you do you still have the rights to that song can you still perform it um or is it a song that you would prefer to just forget right now
1: so um it's very interesting because i was very depressed when i wrote that song and what is very beautiful with music is that you as a writer you have a connection to that song a feeling but then you kind of offer that music to the world and everyone then relates to this song very differently you know so I wrote that song because I needed to express something that was very like hidden and what is very interesting with my music is most of the time when I wrote the song I don't understand what it means what the song is trying to tell me kind of um, it's kind of the unconscious inside of me was trying to be more visible and then conscious through the song So. For example, with this song, I kind of understood what I was going through two years after writing that song. <laughs> wow. But it happens to me a lot, so I don't really listen to that song anymore because it kind of makes me sometimes sad. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, Umu Sunai wrote a song for, for Flesh Love, and I understood that song. So actually, someone made me understand that song two years after. It was like, oh, you know, like, this is very shamanic, and this is... I was like okay I never thought about it because I never think when I write so that's very interesting I like that
0: (laughs) yeah that is very and you know what again uh speaking to you as an artist myself it's the first time I hear another artist say that they didn't know what they were writing when they were creating it I felt the same I feel the same way when I do my paintings um which is that I never know why I'm doing it until it's done and sometimes it shows up years later so is this um something that is it still this the the same concept now when you create you still kind of just let i guess the muse kind of create it for you kind of thing or do you now know like ahead of time that you have something to say
1: i don't know who wrote that and i find it very beautiful and soothing and healing in a way he said that when you create you are outside of yourself because L'extase, extasis, I don't know how you say that in English. The Latin, like it means being outside of yourself. And when you create, you are in a trance, kind of. You are outside of yourself. And if you are inside of yourself, you don't let the light, because it was kind of, it was a believer that it was something, that creation is something bigger than you. And you just have the chance, like, you kind of chosen in a way but everyone could be chosen but in order to welcome the beauty of the creation you got to be outside of yourself so it's 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 very interesting because it's we're not used to see that because in creation a lot of time we mix that up with ego and in this perspective I'm not the creator I am wel- I'm wil- welcoming the creation and I find it very interesting because once you release the song there's no ego because it's not your song. <laughs> it's it's a hard thing to very to understand and I'm trying to but I find it very interesting. That
0: is very very fascinating for sure. Is has there ever, ever been a song that you've
1: released where you just didn't like it afterwards? You know what is more than not liking it, not very like not really understanding the lyrics or even like the music i created i was like i'm not sure if i was really aware during the whole process i would have done that kind of music <laughs> it's more about that you know like that is kind of weird but like i'm trying to i'm not trying to be versatile i'm just trying to welcome and most of the time the things that i welcome i'm not sure is the thing that I like the most in the music. Ah. <laughs> weird so to they, that. <laughs> no, it, it makes, I, I can see how
0: it makes sense, uh, especially as, as you're, do you find that you're at a stage right now? So right now you're, you're, you pretty much have a solo career. You're called Flesh Love. You've, um, you know, really kind of created your own new identity. Do you find that, is it um, an identity that is always evolving? And therefore that's why you're kind of more,
1: uh, relaxed in how you uh, create your music yeah and i think i feel as well that it's very connected to my spiritual path and i've kind of i'm learning now you know about this whole identity things like i used to think that i was a certain way and that i should stay that way and i am like this, destroying this whole this whole idea and i am accepting that i'm always moving it's like Physic, quantique, you know like I don't know how you say that in English but quantique, uh, physique, you know like it's it's something we are all made of energy we're moving we're made of the the, the powders of the stars you know that that's really like the dust that so this whole musical process I don't know where it would lead me in in, in two months actually and maybe I, I I will not be longer a musician and it could be it would be okay as well like I don't know what would you
0: is there anything you you've been wanting to try?
1: I would love like uh to work I'm very interested about ethnobotanic I'm very interested about biomimetism a lot, and I would love to work like I don't know if it's a job actually maybe I should create that, but trying to find link between like how animals um, uh, behave and what we could learn from their behaviors as well kind of psycho biomimitism and something like that I don't know I, I would find that fascinating
0: it's uh interesting because one of my guests is an expert on biomimicry so really? she studies yes yes oh. so I can ask her that question if you'd like but she does yeah. uh yeah so she um studies engineering on you know based on how nature works so wow. um it's beautiful to hear that as an artist yourself you're you're inspired
1: is nature one of your big inspirations yeah yeah definitely actually i it's, even sometimes in my lyrics i put some uh references like for example in one of my songs called Festa Tocandira," the rap part I said "Dicrocolium dendriticum and it's 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 a parasite you know like I was very fascinated by that and I read books about that and I was like I should put that in a song <laughs> that's so cool so I'm trying to add um like biologic references about biology uh about animals about astronomy you know like I'm trying because I find it interesting and I'm like maybe some people would be interested too <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and not just that, but you've made it completely relatable. Uh, I actually want to talk about Festa Tukindira, uh, because it is a song that when I first heard it, uh, I hated you for it because it was so beautiful. <laughs> you know, oh, when you kind of, no, not a hate-hate, but you know when you hate somebody because you're like, oh, this is so powerful. And it literally, I, I cried the first time I heard it because it was so wow. intense. It came from the gut, from, from the innards of a person, you know? Um, but also there is an inspiration there uh, and it's actually something I was already familiar with that I saw on a documentary, these men who go through a ritual with ants. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Actually, I studied before starting as a musician, I studied, but I didn't finish, I studied Ethnology and Science of Religion. So I was very interested about other cultures. And um myself i am a I'm, I'm from a, a a tribe from a nigerian tribe called amazigh so I was very interested about that and i I don't know when actually and how, but i I find a documentary I think as well as well about that festa tokandira, a ritual, and you know like men has to prove that they are very maleish and And they have to go through that very painful process, you know, of putting their hands on gloves filled with ants, but like not regular ants that you can find in Paris, but you can (laughs) find in Brazil, like Brazil. And I don't know, I was watching that documentary and I was like, what if you don't want to go through all that process? What if as Uh... a man, you don't don't want to prove anything because you have actually to do that ritual, like, nearly over 20, 20 times you know which is like crazy because wow. like your hands start like swallowing and you don't you you're not allowed to cry or to see or, to sh, or sorry or to show that you suffer which is crazy so you have to go through all that pain and you have to kind of prove to other pe- to to the people in your community that you are a real man because you don't feel anything and I was kind of, I don't know, I was wondering, like, what if you want to cry? And what if crying is not? What if crying would be considered as something powerful as well, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. what if vulnerability could be considered as well, something beautiful? And so that's why I started writing that song, you know? And I I wrote that song in Spanish because I felt like it was, you know, I don't know, I felt like it it would be better, more suitable to sing it in Spanish. And it's, I don't know, it's still a song. A lot of people talk about that. And a lot of guys actually write me about this song, which I find beautiful because there is a moment when I am like in a trance. So I kind of understand that you felt that this song was very like intense. Yes. (laughs) And I'm like, boys cry too. Like, you know, I'm like, I want it because I'm not an advocate, but I talk a lot about feminist things. And I kind of wanted to show that I was with them as well, in a way, like, I'm not going to do their work, you know, like, they're going to, they, they have to do it for themselves. But that I know that it's not only great things to be an alpha male, you know, and I read a lot uh, the books about um, from Bell Hooks about male, what's the name of it? I don't remember this incredible book she wrote about being a male and, and not having access to all the emotions and being just allowed to be angry. And she was like, I don't wanna be equal to men. I wanna have access to all my emotions and and I want men to have access to all the emotions as well. So I don't know, it was interesting to me, it was a process where I was like, it's very empathic in a way because I'm writing if I were a man from, from that kind of, from that tribe actually.
0: Okay, so that perspective, I, I totally understand the song even more now. Uh, and what's also interesting though is is uh is how you perform it uh in the music videos I've seen and and the performances I've seen in France. Um, did it take a while for you to to have the kind of confidence to actually let go to 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 move the way you move, to present yourself the way you present yourself? Did it take a while to build that throughout your career? That's a good question,
1: actually. Because I always thought that when I was on stage, I was not myself anymore. But what was harder to me was building the confidence before and after being on stage. And which, like before being on stage, it means like feeling like I am allowed to be on stage, I'm good enough, and after going back to that kind of different vibes because I'm in a trance, meeting other people and facing their uh, critics towards my music as well you know because sometimes people after a show they feel like it's the greatest moment to tell you how much they don't like your music oh man <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is it's more about before and after the show but while i'm on stage like if it's for a tv show actually it's complicated because you have three minutes and actually for me my whole show is created like a it's a kind of theater experience immersive. So it takes a while and it's and it's built and it's organic in a way. So I give time for the people and for myself to really go and dive deep into the experience. So sometimes for me if it's a TV show or radio show, three minutes is not enough. <laughs> no at all.
0: <laughs> this is why I like these long longer formats is because we get to actually talk about stuff that
1: you don't get to talk in a three minute interview yeah 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 They will ask you like why why have you chosen that name, and why are you a musician, and actually, it would take more than three minutes to Just- <laughs> <Yeah. Yes. laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's interesting that you say it's before and after. One of the conversations that comes up a lot with my friends who you know have had great success, whether they're working on movie sets or with Cirque du Soleil, it's that they get this um, this moment of sadness when they leave a project. Uh, you know, when they finish filming, for example, with the same team for three months. Do you, uh, if you haven't performed in a while, for example, during the pandemic, do you find, a, do you get a sense of uh, mourning? <laughs>
1: Not really, because I think I'm in a phase where I was kind of, I'm kind of tired of touring. Because to me, it's such an overwhelming experience. Like, for example, sitting eight hours in a car, being drained, and then you have to perform in front of people. And you give your heart, because that's how you do it, you know? And then you have this high, like rush of adrenaline and then you go back to your kind of uh ugly hotel room and you are alone once again so this whole process is very draining to me and i've been doing that for 10 years so i would say that for me i'm not mourning the, i'm not missing that much touring because i'm in a phase where i'm more into um creating video clips directing video clips for me it's it's my phase now so <laughs> it takes me a lot of time and i enjoy that for the moment that's you know that's my thing i i have a lot of have you say that like i'm interested about a lot of different things that's that's the problem in my life so i can get bored very easily
0: Right. And, but do you miss the contact with the public as much as you get, you know, you get the really crappy feedback, like the guys who are like, Oh, I didn't like this. Um, but you also get a lot of, um, praise, right? I mean, there, you've got to have like this, these fans who love your work. Um, do you miss the contact with them or do you really find like, you know what, this is better videos better for me because I can just do it at my pace and, you know, let in some contact and, and not have to deal with the rest.
1: Um. I miss that. The great thing is that I have a Patreon and I'm like, when you write me on Instagram, I answer. So some people who um, who love my music, they kind of, they became my friends. So that's, that's very nice. And uh, I don't like calling them my fans because I find it very weird. It's kind of homogen. I don't know. Like they're not human beings anymore. They're kind of a tribe. <laughs> ah, you know? yeah with one big head and, and two big
0: <laughs> arms and
1: <laughs> I don't know like, because those people have jobs as well, you know, like, you know, sometimes you can feel that because you're an artist, you you're superior than anyone else. So I'd rather call them by their names. So that's something I do a lot. But what I miss is the energy when you are on stage and you feel that people connect to your music. It's, it's beautiful because the, the audience in you, you're kind of forming a huge energy together and it changes every single night, you know? So that's very interesting. And, and as, a, as a lover of ethnology, I can as well understand a lot of things. Um, when I meet people and how they relate to music and how they consume music in a show, if I go to Korea, if I go to Montreal, if I go to Zurich, people, they listen very differently and you know, when, you're, when they are in a show. And I find it very interesting.
0: <laughs> That's a fascinating. You know what? I'd never even thought about that. So what what are some things that you found remarkable between like in terms of differences between how people appreciate music depending on the various countries?
1: For example, when I was in Korea, I played in Seoul actually last year. And I've never been to Korea before. So that was that was my, my first experience. So I remember going on stage and started singing and people were yelling. So my first thought was like, oh my gosh, they hate my music because normally in Europe, you don't yell during the the song, you know, right? So I started dancing. They were yelling and at the end they were yelling and they were like, they were clapping so loud. And I understood that that was their way of showing me appreciation, (laughs) but it took me five minutes to understand that it was not like they did not like my music. (laughs) And it, and once I understood that, it was one of the most interesting experience I ever had because it was sixty minute of people yelling, clapping, dancing, and at the end, I, I don't know, like maybe two hundred people came to see me and they and to tell me how much they liked what I've just like what I did for them, which is crazy. So that's amazing. It was, Yeah, it was so great. (laughs) It was so great. And for example, you go, you play in Zurich, and people would be like, they would be silent. And at the end of the song, they would be clapping. But you know, there is a kind of a way of containing yourself. But it doesn't mean they don't like your music. It means they're really listening. You know, you can't hear a sound during a song. You know, they're really listening to what you're doing. And yeah. They're kind of shy, but it's beautiful in a way. So you start to understand a bit more about how people like lead the culture as well, where you are touring. Very, very interesting.
0: Is there a way to, I don't know if, I mean, you said you're concentrating more on video. Do you get any kind of international feedback when you're when, with video though?
1: What do you mean by international feedback? Uh, well,
0: the the in the same way that uh, like you're performing, like you said, you noticed in Korea they react a different way. With video, it's a little bit harder, right, to tell how <laughs> people react. Uh, so is there a way that you can think of that you could kind
1: of experience the different feedback? Um, but- um, when people sometimes write me on Instagram to share with me how they how they feel about a video, or um, through the comments as well, maybe. But it's not the same, it's not direct. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. It's so yeah, like. Um
0: so what I was really curious about is that you've been working a lot with a photographer by the name of Roberto Greco. Yes. Uh how did that relationship come about and what's been the experience like, you know, working with a photographer?
1: Actually, Roberto is one of my um is is one of my sister best friend. My big sister. So I've been knowing him for about uh, nearly 15 years, or even a bit more. And when I was 15, I remember I started a blog in Geneva because I was like, "Oh, there's nothing happening in the city, so I have to, uh, I have to create something." And I I remember it was about fashion and what you could uh, experience in Geneva. And he was already a photographer. Actually, he was a student, and I asked him if he could. Uh, organize a photo, sh- a photo shoot for me, and we did that together. And I remember he told me, "I really wanna be the photographer of your uh, first album." When I was 15, so you know, I do believe in synchronicity. I do believe in uh, when you put intention, you know, when you send intention to the universe. And I was like, "Okay, okay," <laughs> but I didn't even know at that time if I would, <laughs> I would be a singer or you know. But I, I, I kind of feel that he knew it before me. And so that's how. And when I moved to Paris, it was in Paris, so it was kind of natural. And he's a very, very talented like artist, actually. He's very yeah. picky, and he takes a lot of time <laughs> to to control everything, actually. You know, he's a perfectionist.
0: Yeah, we see that a lot, actually. A lot of uh, musicians now are working with uh... With photographers I think it was um and I probably will mispronounce this but uh De Antwerd, who worked yeah. with a black and white photographer for their first um like their most popular music videos and now you're you're working with a um a photographer for your music videos is that a um a partnership where you both have the creative control or is he more like in charge of the 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 creative look and and stuff like
1: that uh with Roberto it was half half like most of the time, I used to come up with an idea, and then we started building from that point. And it was a collaboration. Um, we used to write the video clips together, and he and it directed them. Then I started working working with Juan Delo for Kerentia uh, because I wanted to be more involved. Because I kind of I kind of know what I want, so I started co-directing. And then on my last video clip. I decided to direct. I was like, I'm not perfect. Like I know I make a lot of mistakes, but I want to. I I love to learn through mistakes, which is very interesting. Because for example, Roberto is the kind of person who will like it will come up with something and show it to the world only when it's perfect. And I'm the I'm exactly the opposite. You know, I'm 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 learning pr- produce like pu- producing music, uh while releasing my music <laughs> and it's the same with video clips you know i'm learning through the whole process i'm a learner actually do you do you enjoy it yeah you know it's kind of a way to connect to my inner child you know like it's for me it's playing it's creating music it's playing uh directing videos i love to do mood boards like i do crazy mood boards with a lot of um, with a lot of pictures, with, like, every second of the video clip I write, I don't know how you say that, like, I cut every second, you know, in order to to give intention, to, for the, I don't know how you say I Like I'm a sure storyboard? That, what, what do you say? A storyboard? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Okay. A very <laughs> precise storyboard, and, and, because I find it exciting, because when I create music, I see, uh, I see everything actually, it's kind of a movie, it's sound and image. Okay,
0: very, very interesting. Uh, You mentioned uh, the other day, or it might actually have been today, I saw a post that you made on social media about the tiny houses. Yeah! (laughs) Can we talk about that? Yeah,
1: I feel like you
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's it's funny because I'm actually, you know, I moved back to Ottawa from Montreal because I just I kind of had a creative block. I needed to move. Mm. I don't like living in in the capital city. I want to move out to nature. Uh yeah. so it's something that also very much interests me. Uh why the tiny
1: house and where would you go? Well, so <laughs> I used to buy a lot of things actually. And I kind of understood that i bought things in order to feel safer i thought that the more i have the fuller i'll feel safer i'll be and through this whole spiritual path and i know this spiritual path will take me a lifetime and it's beautiful that's that's the the path which is beautiful not the destination i kind of started decluttering things you know like wanting less things like buying less beautiful things for example, made from, from Paris, you know, made in Paris and sustainable things and everything. And I was like, My gosh, I'm spending so much money on a flat, which is not mine, you know, I'm 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 giving money away in a in a city surrounded by blocks, you know, by buildings. It was like, I'd love to live in a tiny house and to travel around and to be near it, you know to nature, because I come from Switzerland, you know, so you're surrounded by nature. Even if, if you are in a city, you're surrounded by nature. It's not like big cities like Paris or... And I don't know, I started watching things, I think, on YouTube about tiny houses. And I was kind of obsessed by this. I was like, my gosh, that could be the future, but in Switzerland, you're not allowed to, actually. So I, I don't know where I'd, I'd go. I want to go everywhere with <laughs> my
0: <laughs> Well, and it's an interesting uh, idea because it's, it's not, it doesn't stray from the usual process. Um, the famous film director, uh, one of my favorite film directors, uh, Sally Potter, uh, mm-hmm. between films, she would um, isolate herself in the country in France in a small camper. Um, Bjork has been known for isolating herself in between projects uh, yes. Yes. in nature. So this is a very interesting way to feed the creative juices, isn't it?
1: Definitely. Yeah, because you give a lot. So you have to find a way, you know, to heal yourself. So that is what could be complicated with the things of creating an album and then touring because you created that album. You kind of dry it out, you know what I mean? And then you have to give everything back again, you know, to kind of try to recreate the magical things you had in the studio, the emotions, you know. and so that's why you know i really love to change the way we see the life of an artist so i'm trying and this this whole period is very interesting for that because a lot of people are like yeah, yeah it's a great idea but i'm trying to find a way to change the rules for example when you tour most of the time the only thing you see is the airport and the venue so you don't see anything it was like my gosh i'm i'm, I'm in i'm in korea and i'm gonna spend two days you know So now I started to change the whole thing and I was like, okay, I want to tour less. But when I tour, I want to spend more time and I want to meet people and artists from this place and try to create something with them.
0: Yeah, uh, the Quebec singer Jean Leloup, he went to an Aboriginal village in the middle of nowhere in Australia and I think he spent several months there. um you know learning from the 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 villagers the people the artists there the local craftspeople um there are you know there's there's this um methodology that is out there but I think we just don't know about it and when you're you know a a young artist you don't know that there's the possibility of playing by different
1: rules definitely and it's actually the way our brain works you know it's by analogy you know like you kind of So that's why it's very interesting about creating your own path because you have to think differently. You have to allow, you have to understand that you can't imagine the unknown because we kind of always relate to what we know. So that is very interesting to me right now because I want to create my own path. But in order to do that, I have to understand and I'm not able to imagine my own path. Because it's greater than what I could imagine. Because if I imagine, I would relate to what other people have already done. <laughs> right. And do you have
0: do do you have a pull or like a push pull relationship with the music industry? Where in order to make a certain uh, living, let's say, you need to do it a certain way, and then you have commercialism. And do you find, as an artist who was in a way with Caddy Bastani, you, you were part of the commercial system in Europe? Yeah. Um, so now you're sitting outside of that. Do you find, is there a, a push pull concept where you're kind of fighting against it or have you just abandoned the concept com- completely?
1: I'm trying to abandon, abandon it. I, actually, I created my own label and I'm trying to understand, you know, like, do you know Amanda Palmer? Like Yes. Singer. Yeah. Yes. And I read a book about the art of asking and I s- I saw her TED talks, and I was really inspired by how she built a community, and that's why I'm learning through my Patreon. And as well, like I know my music. Most of my music, it's not gonna be uh, on a, on a radio shows on a popular radio shows in France or in Switzerland, and it's okay because you can make a living without them. You know, when you start in the industry, they make you believe that you need. You need them, you need the the popular magazine, newspaper, but you actually don't really need them. You need a community. And that's why I'm trying to build. I relate more to people than the industry.
0: You don't need them, you need a community. I think that's one of the most refreshing things a a, a young artist could ever hear. Is that the advice that you would give a, a young
1: artist these days? Yeah, actually, yeah, and to, like, to really... Listen to your intuition and your guts because you know sometimes when you sign to a label, they would force you actually but to do a certain kind of music because they will, they'd be like, Oh you know, that's very trendy. So if you if you create this kind of music you will be successful and then the music is relay released and you, you feel like it's not really connected to who you are and if it's not successful and the label label doesn't want to work with you anymore, you kind of feel resentful, you know. And so the the advice I, I will give is that like really do the music that that really inspires you. There are a lot of artists who, who like create that way. Diamond Nick Cave, like a lot of people are just doing they th- their things, and that's why they are who they are now, because they're unique. Right.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's it's tough, right? Because a a young a young person coming up today i mean the good thing is they have access to technology they have access like you said you can create your own patreon um when did you create your patreon
1: i I think it was in may i started in may yeah but it's more around astrology than music oh (laughs) (laughs) okay tell me a little bit about that well actually is that i'm really interested in astrology and i kind of use that as a as a spiritual path as well in order to know myself a bit more and to as well um understand more of the people around me and and yeah to be more of a support as well and uh so that's that's why i was like because i started kind of sharing that on instagram you know like post and people were like oh we can you give lessons and i was like no i never thought about that and then I, st- I was like, hey, it could be a great idea. So I was like, let's learn together. So I started kind of creating that Patreon around the idea of giving astrology lessons. And now we are like 51, which is good, which is great. Actually. Yeah, it's, 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 it's great because
0: you're sharing a learning process about something with other people and that's how you build communities, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what really like, what is very interesting is I share a lot as well on my on my networks, social networks, that I'm not perfect, that I doubt a lot and everything. And I feel as well that my vulnerability allows as well people to connect with me, you know, like, and so it's very refreshing to have this possibility not to create, you know, that kind of perfect alter ego, you know, like superstar thing, because I'm doubting a lot. And it's refreshing to have the opportunity to share it with the people who love what you do.
0: Yeah, it gives them uh, a way to connect to you. And yeah. that, that's that's for people who are not artists, but also for people who are, you know, on the same path as you, who might be mm-hmm. photographers or theatre directors or whatever. I find there's a beautiful way that if, if um, someone who's successful is human, it gives them a chance to realize that they can retain and remain uh, human throughout the process. Too many people go into the star system and become hard and, and kind of um, they, they look down upon
1: other people right after a
0: certain amount of success. And I think it's even
1: harder for women because you know, like in order to be successful, you have to be better than men, you know? So when you are on the top, you are kind of scared of everyone else, you know, like, during the whole process where you've been through we can't imagine you know what very successful women have been through so yeah
0: can you do you want to talk a little bit about that what was your experience as a woman in in, in the business
1: Actually, i'm not super successful but what i can say is that i faced a lot of sexism in different ways because it's beautiful to have different ways of experiencing something <laughs> <laughs> is that for example you know like diminishing the amount of work I put in something. For example, I used to um, write and be a top liner for Kata but most of the time, even the journalists, they didn't like, even consider the possibility that I could write something, you know? So it would always be like, question about music would be, always be to Guillaume, for example, or now that I am a producer, people are always wondering who produces my music, uh, who directs my music, there is always that bias about women creating, but you know what is crazy? I have the same biases. You know, sometimes when I read that a woman did everything by herself, I'm like, how oh, is it possible? You know, because I've been raised and taught that as women, we need other people. I mean, needing other people is beautiful. It, it's, it's called collaboration, but it's not the same, you know, that being dismissed every time or being, uh, I was more, you know, like, you are the beautiful singer or you only the singer because singer it doesn't seem to be a real job anyway. But you know, like my looks were always, you know, put on the table at at a certain moment. But now that I'm very tattooed and that I have my own kind of weird identity, it allowed me to kind of escape all this kind of beautiful thing about being a woman on stage. You know, like being beautiful on stage. I'm kind of more of a creature, which is kind of cool.
0: Ah, <laughs> huh, that's a very fascinating way of looking at it, for sure. Your name, Flesh Love. It's ah, uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, of karate, where uh, the, <laughs> so cool. the the name is uh, <laughs> Well, I I don't know if you're familiar with um Goji Ryu karate, where it the name no. is essentially hard soft. That's what it means. It means hard soft. It's a practice that is. You know, very stern but also very soft. And so, when I see your name, I think hard, soft, Um, flesh, which is an arrow for people who are uh, anglophone. Uh, Love. Uh, So, how did you decide this name, and what does it mean to you?
1: It's very interesting. The thing you told me about Kahati, kind of like (laughs) it. You know why? Because when I was twelve, I was a um, pencak silat, which is kung fu from Malaysia. I was a a champion. I used oh, to be amazing yeah, yeah like I don't know it gave me a lot of self-confidence because when I was a little girl I was very scared of going outside because once someone tried to kidnap me <laughs> and I didn't wow. want to go back in the streets and my mother was like okay so we we have to find a way for you to gain self-confidence so I started Kung Fu that's and I had no idea so that's that's very nice I really like what you said It's it's oh. beautiful <laughs>
0: It was it was it was pure luck because I had no idea that you did come through. But uh yeah, so that's and that's what it made me think of immediately is is the concept of hard soft because your name has a little bit of of hardness and a little bit of softness. Is that was that on purpose?
1: No, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I like when people make me discover things about myself. I like it. We are all connected. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, then I have to ask you do you have a um Kind of a masculine side and a
1: feminine side to you as a person, definitely. And I hope everyone has. Right. I hope everyone has, in a way, you know, in the yin yang way, in the two energies, you know, that the 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 thick and the thin, the warm and the cold, you know, like. But what is interesting is, I believe we don't have fifty-fifty person, you know. Like, I'm not in a perfect equilibrium, mm-hmm. but actually, I do feel more masculine. I'm actually an Aries. I'm um, rising Leo, and I'm a Moon in Gemini. So most of my astrological uh, chart is about masculine energy, which is interesting.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. It definitely is, and it really I find at least as someone who's tracked your career uh, since Kati and now into Flesh Love, I find the visual process of you, whether you're singing or performing, it has definitely gotten more masculine, more Mm, kind of assertive. um I don't know. I don't even know if you realized it, but as as a viewer, I can yeah, say yeah, I've yeah. definitely
1: seen it. But that's interesting. I I mean, I love to hear how you feel and how you see that because I don't see myself, hopefully. <laughs> oh, interesting. How do you see? How do you see yourself? I don't actually. You know, that's crazy because sometimes people tell me that when I perform, I am in a trance, and I don't see myself at all. Okay. I like, I I do like. I used to suffer from dysmorphia. So I used to see me in a very different way than most of the people used to see me. So I kind of still have that. And sometimes the, the experience of being on stage kind of doesn't help me with that, you know? Right. Because people see you like something not human anymore. And I don't know how I see myself. Like sometimes I see myself very uh, shy, I can be very shy. But on stage, it kind of allows me to show more that, that, that masculine side that as a woman, you know, very uh, encouraged to show. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's how I feel.
0: Yeah. What's something that you're like really just super excited about, let's
1: say in the next year? You know what I'm excited about is I'm mix. What is interesting is that you asking me what I'm excited about the next year i'm excited about being grateful about all the past years Ah, that's what i'm excited because you know sometimes i don't know if you feel that as an as an artist sometimes you always like scheduling things okay i have to do that and i have to do that and sometimes you don't take the time to stop reflect on what happened. And being like, whoa, I'm super proud of myself. Or, uh, for example, you say, you, 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 I know you paint and you, you do photography, right? Or oh, I'm very, very proud of that photo, you know. We don't really take that time. And I'm really excited about taking the time to reflect and to feel like very grateful about all the things I went through.
0: Right, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to approach life in general. If you were to tell me one, one thing off the top of your head that you're super proud of right now, what would it be?
1: I'm super proud of still being aware of my inner child and listening to my inner child.
0: I have a huge smile on my face right now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's going to, um, to continue to feed your curiosity. Definitely. Like yeah. I really
1: feel her. I feel Amina as a young girl, as a three years old. I don't know why, but it's three years old that I really feel deep down inside of me. She's always there, and while I'm healing her, she's healing me. And I do talk. I remember something when I was eleven years old. I like I, I wanted to be a musician, and I always say to everyone, my first show would be in Montreux Jazz Festival. And everyone was like making fun of me, it was like, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 and I'll be a, a Nobel Prize. And I started a band with my friends, who we were a girl band, and we like, okay. And I used to always tell them, my first show will be a Montreux Jazz Festival. And you know what? My first gig with Caleb was in the Montreux Jazz Festival. I remember that when I came back to the Montreux Jazz Festival two years ago, I decided to imagine that Anna who was three years old was just with me walking on stage and I talked to her and I was like we are here and I was so moved you know to imagine myself just next to me and it was a kind of ritual it was like we did it and so that's why she's always there because everyone even when other people were not supporting me she was there and she's still there and I do um like, I don't know, I'm very proud of her.
0: It's uh, beautiful because one that is actually a very common theme when I speak to actors, musicians, p- performers, is that they're often doing it for the little person inside oh. of them.
1: Yeah, it does make a lot of
0: sense, no? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> uh, I have one last question before we go. Uh, if yeah. you were to write a book on any topic, what would it be?
1: I'm writing a book, actually. <laughs> sure. Well, there we go. On <laughs> karate. No, I'm kidding. But... <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'm writing a book. When I was younger, before wanting to be a singer, I wanted to be a writer. Actually, I always wanted to have a link with words. Because as a young person, I understood the power of words and that every word would float in the universe for the eternity. I understood that very precisely so i don't know i always wanted to write a book but i never felt that i was good enough or uh so i decided to start that during the the pandemic i was like why not now and i'm writing a book about um about a lot of different things actually about biology about psychology about uh child abuse about a spiritual path i don't really know what this book is about and maybe people would tell me it's about, like my songs, you know, I discover it through people and through their experiences. So maybe people will tell me about my own book <laughs> when I finish it. Well, I mean, I think you're going to get the,
0: some interesting feedback, but I think uh, it would be, it'll definitely, I look forward to reading it for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and are you sharing the process uh, publicly or are you just keeping it to yourself for now?
1: For now, I'm keeping it to myself because it's a very personal book. But once I have finished it, I think I will start talking about it. But it's for me, it's like protecting a secret. You know what I mean? Like, mm, yeah, not bringing bad luck. You know, my mother always told me about the um, the hand of Fatima. You know, like all those things. Like she 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 was very superstitious. So I kind of keep. <laughs> I don't want to bring bad luck to this process.
0: Okay, well, then we won't talk about it too, too much. But I, um listen, I wanted to tell you, first of all, thank you. Uh, speaking of gratitude, I'm very, very grateful that you decided to take uh, to say yes to this interview. It's been uh, very moving uh, to hear your thoughts on the various topics we talked about, including learning a lot more about you, which is uh, very refreshing. And I feel more connected to you as an artist than I ever have. So I really am very grateful that you
1: came on the show thank you so much for the invitation you know for me it's actually speaking in english for that long for that amount of time it's an experience and it's very interesting and i'm a bit intimidating because sometimes i feel like i'm a three years old trying to express my <laughs> my <laughs> thoughts because writing and speaking is very different process but thank you so much because you know in a way, I don't know how you we start connecting, but I kind of feel like you're a part of my life somehow. You know what I mean? Like it's what mm. I have with, with a lot of people actually following me. Like I kind of start seeing their name, for example, in the comments and they keep commenting. And then I talk to them and then I feel them and I see them, you know? And with yes. you it's the same. We, we, I don't know how we connected, but then I see what you, what you're doing, and it's amazing this, this, the show you have, and all the things you are starting, and the way you're blossoming. So thank you so much for having me because it's a, it was a very nice experience. Thank you.
0: It's been my pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thank you.